0: Welcome to the Irish Pharmacy Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Total Health and Haven Pharmacies. There are 127 of our independently owned pharmacies located all over Ireland so that we can bring trusted local care to you in your community. And now on the go with this podcast. My name is Sheena Mitchell. I'm a pharmacist from Milltown Total Health Pharmacy. In each episode, I'll be chatting with one of my pharmacist colleagues from the Total Health and Haven pharmacies, where they will blow your mind with all of the amazing information that they have. We aim to bring you reliable and useful health information that you can listen to conveniently at a time that suits you. This week, I'm speaking to Michelle Concanon. Michelle owns two pharmacies in Athlone one in the middle of town and one on the Ballymahan Road. Michelle is a really experienced colleague and I was delighted to be able to have the opportunity to talk to her all about urinary tract infections. Michelle does a fantastic job at explaining how and why urinary tract infections occur and more importantly gives us loads of tips on how to help prevent them or treat them. This episode is suitable for any age group, from young women all the way up to the very elderly. We talk about all the different kinds of things that can make urinary tract infections flare up. We talk about the impact of sex on urinary tract infections and also pregnancy, the menopause and beyond. Michelle is a complete wealth of knowledge and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hi, Michelle, and welcome to the podcast. So, season one, episode one. How exciting! <laughs> How are you, Sheena? <laughs> are you <just laughs> nice to see you? Delighted to be here. Are you? <laughs> I'm so excited, Sheena. <laughs> I know. Look, you get to pharmacy nerd up as much as you like now for the next little while in my element. Yeah.
1: Tell us a little bit about your pharmacies. I'm in Athlone. I have two pharmacies: Concern and Total Pharmacies. I've been here for 24 years this August. So I started off with one pharmacy and was going to be in that loan for three years and then met somebody, got married, built a house and had kids. And (laughs) 24 years later, I'm here with two pharmacies. So I love that loan. It's great. People are lovely. It's been really good to me. And I'm lucky because I like my job.
0: I think a lot of community pharmacies, the staff in them love their jobs because you're so embedded in the community. Like you play you such are. an important yeah. role.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I have five kids as well and they play a lot of sports. We see in the GA, rugby, local schools. So the tentacles start to spread out <laughs> and you get deeper and deeper, you know. So it's great. It's really good because I couldn't have seen that happen when I was a young single girl. So it's been really good and I really love it. Very central too for airports and that sort of thing. If you want to go travelling and that is brilliant.
0: It's a good night. You're welcome down
1: anytime, Sheena, for a night out, yeah.
0: I'm like, I've heard of the famous Sean's Bar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Great crack there on St Patrick's Day. Last week was brilliant. So yeah, it's a great town. Great town. Good.
0: Today, you're here to chat to me all about the very glamorous subject of urinary tract infections. We know these are something that affects so many men and women. So if you wouldn't mind, if you can talk us through kind of the symptoms and basically how these occur
1: and why. About 50% of women will get one infection in their life. So it's the kind of it's three words that can send a shiver down a lot of women's spine. What is the urinary tract? Where is it? So it's basically from where the urine exits the body up to the kidneys. So it goes up through a tube called the urethra into the bladder and then up through two tubes to the kidney. So that's the urinary tract. And in women, because of the anatomy, there's a shorter distance between where the urine exits and the bladder. So that's why we get a lot more infections because there's bacteria intermingling sort of from around the back area to the front. And they can travel quite easily up the little tube to the female bladder. And that's why we get more infections. It's basic anatomy. So men have a longer tube. So it's very unusual for men to get kidney infection. So I'd say up to 50 to 60% of women will get one. You know, a lot of us will be familiar. But that leaves about 40% of women that don't, you know, which is just lucky for them, really. So what are the symptoms of urinary tract infections? There is burning, stinging soreness there's increased frequency you're getting up during the night to go and then not able to void, not able to empty the bladder when you go and then a ferocious stinging sometimes you can get a pain just above the pubic bone and then when it gets a little bit more complicated you can get fever shakes pain in the lower back you could actually get muscle pain besides your body and the legs as well that's for the more complicated one generally they're uncomplicated so they would be the burning the stinging that's the main symptoms i think sheena urgency and discomfort they're mainly caused by a bacteria called E. coli, which is one that's that's in your bowel basically and it's traveling in where it shouldn't be
0: okay what really do patients tend to do in terms of their journey i know obviously being a pharmacist as well a lot of people will come straight in and just want maybe symptom relief but what's the approach for diagnosis of a urinary tract infection in general
1: i suppose like everything else when you're dealing with somebody at the counter in the pharmacy you kind of tend to try and get a bigger picture so if, if somebody who's a young girl sort of over 18 or under 18 as well, 60 to 18, and they present with symptoms like that, they're unlikely to have other complications. They're young, they're healthy, they're unlikely to have diabetes, or they don't tend to be obese. They're, You know, you have to rule out pregnancy as well or immunocompromisation. But if you have a younger woman who has those kind of symptoms, you can tease it out and you can work out what treatment might be suitable or whether she needs to be referred. A lot of the times it will be related to sexual intercourse. So you could have a very discreet chat with her about that as well, just to see would that have been the cause of it. So you can start with something like cystipurine or cyst control, which have um, sashes in them, which change the pH in the urine to make it a, a hostile environment, would say, for the bacteria. So they could start with that. You could chat to them about that. There's a cyst control fort product now available, which has the cystopurine ingredients, but has another product called D-Manos, which seems to be really good at treating and preventing UTIs that they could take should they see something else starting up again a few weeks later, because there's a 50% chance of recurrence in six months of the UTI. You could have, as I say, a very discreet chat about things like voiding after intercourse. Hygiene would be really important around sexual intercourse would be very important. This would be for that particular age group, but not just. It would also be for women older than that as well, but you also have to take in factors as women get older, different factors become important. So you'd form a picture around the patient and and the information that they're giving you.
0: And when you say voiding after intercourse, just to clarify for people, you mean go for a pee, basically, go yeah. for a
1: good pee, a good yeah, pee afterwards.
0: And in yeah. terms of, <laughs> just need to yeah. spell it out for me. So and in, absolutely, <laughs> in terms of hygiene, simple things like maybe. Making sure that people are wiping from front to back to try and avoid very important. Yeah, the introduction of any E. coli. As you said, everything so very important. close down there. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like washes or douches, what's your advice on those kind of products?
1: For most people that don't get UTIs, you know, there's a variety of washes and douches that they can use with fragrances and stuff and it won't bother them too much. But ideally for any woman, they should avoid fragranced products to clean with. They should avoid douches completely. It changes the pH in the vagina. It can damage some of the natural microbiome, the natural bacteria that live there, that protect the area. When that balance is not right, basically, then other bacteria can come in that cause the problem. So if women can avoid anything with fragrance, there's lots of products out there that are available now without fragrance. The Yes range, Y-E-S is called. They have no fragrance. They're natural, they're completely organic, and they're good to use in the vaginal area. So they'd be very good for hygiene. And also, as you say, the front to back thing would be very important. If you're prone to infection, UTI, lower UTI infections after sex, it would be important to wash beforehand. That would just be a simple thing that could be done as well as having a big pee afterwards. And dehydration is another big thing. If you keep yourselves, you know, adequately hydrated, So that there's nice urine volume all the time coming out of the bladder, basically washing out the bad stuff. So the more volume you have in the bladder, the more chance you have of keeping everything clean. I heard on one of the things I was listening to the last few days that the solution to pollution is dilution. (laughs) Basically, load up the bladder and keep it full and emptying out the whole area. And that will keep everything flushed out and clean. That's
0: very good advice. And do you know what? Yeah. We have enough reasons that we should be drinking water between our skincare and everything that anyone suffering from this. It's definitely worth putting the effort in in that case. OK, absolutely. Yeah. Just remembering. And just to finish off on the kind of younger woman first, because it does get a bit more complicated as people get older. So. I know you were saying there the kind of straightforward cases. Who would be best to go straight to the doctor, maybe? So, obviously, you described there some of the more serious symptoms. So, people with bad fever, do they need to go directly to the doctor or can they try to manage at home themselves first?
1: If somebody has a temperature, shivery, has lower back pain, pains and aches in their muscles, I would tend to say you're best to go to the doctor. Yeah. People are finding it hard, we say, to get through to the surgeries now, which is not the fault of the GPs. So they might say, well, I'll just try this first. If they have those symptoms that I just mentioned, I would say, look, you're going to end up bringing the doctor anyway tomorrow yeah, or the next day. Now, they could take the sachets because they will make the area more hostile. So they will manage it maybe a little bit while they're waiting for the call back yeah. with the D-manos and the cystopurin or the cyst control that has the D-manos in it. They could, but generally, if it's moved on to temperature rigors, which is shaking and pains, kind of lower abdominal pain, a feeling like you need to empty. And then when you go to empty, it's not happening, and back pain and muscle pain. It really is time to check in with the doctor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling staged. And they're feeling very unwell. Feeling
1: sick. Yeah. Feeling very sick. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, and then the other group you mentioned there was potentially people who are immunocompromised that might have, I suppose, other risk factors that an infection
1: could become more serious. Exactly. Very quickly. Could deteriorate very quickly. Yeah. Pregnancy as well is another one you have to be very careful with. And they are more common in pregnancy than not. So definitely a referral would be needed there. You need to go to the doctor. And the doctor will decide then. Now, you can get antibiotics in pregnancy. There are certain antibiotics that are fine in pregnancy. So it wouldn't be something I'd be, you know, worried about. If you're going and you're worried about being put on an antibiotic, don't be worried. Because a UTI can become something else in pregnancy. So it's very important to go to the doctor straight away. To act
0: promptly. Okay. On that vein of thought of antibiotics, I know a lot of people have read a lot in the media and everywhere that, you know, antibiotic resistance is becoming a serious problem and is a real threat down the road. For that young person, obviously, they're trying to manage it at home and in most cases that will work, it will pass without them having to need an antibiotic. But if they do get to the point where they've had to go to the doctor, their symptoms aren't resolving, do they need to feel bad or worried about the fact they're using an antibiotic or is it just at that case a good idea?
1: I think it's a good idea. Without a doubt, antibiotic resistance is becoming a huge issue. And probably there's more antibiotic prescribing for UTIs than is strictly necessary because a lot of them would resolve. But for example, there was statistics there about younger girls would say that get UTIs, that they'll have if untreated, they'll have 6.1 days of symptoms, 1.2 days of missing class or work, and not 0.4 days of bed. So for example, if you're having a UTI and you don't go to the doctor when you need to, you probably risk all of those days that you'll be sick where an antibiotic would have sped up the recovery from the infection. And this would be particularly for women get recurrent infections. So some men are more prone to them. Like we say, if you get one, you're 50% more likely to get one in another six months. You'll know yourself your symptoms. Women will know their bodies and they'll know their symptoms. And they'll know that if they start the antibiotic within two days, probably it'll clear up an awful lot quicker. They'll be less sick. They won't be off work or school as much. So in that case, it will work an awful lot better to get on the antibiotic early. But I certainly wouldn't be ever concerned if a doctor, Suggest going on an antibiotic. I wouldn't be concerned about taking the antibiotic. Certainly, if you've tried all the other things as well yourself, because you have been uh, reticent about having the antibiotic, it's time to go on it if they haven't worked. Yeah.
0: Okay. And there you mentioned recurring infection. So I suppose that maybe brings us on to the journey through age for women, where you know you've been a young woman and you've gone through your pregnancies or whatever, and you you get to the other side. And you maybe enter the perimenopausal, menopausal stage. What happens then in terms of urinary tract infection frequency?
1: So you might have got through all stages, if you were lucky, without having any kidney infections. And then all of a sudden, in your mid-40s, late-40s, early-50s, you start to get symptoms. You need to go to the toilet more often. Not necessarily burning, but just a frequency and an urge to go. And it can happen during the night. You may not have the symptoms of a UTI. But it's definitely something to watch out for because at that stage, the anatomy basically in the pelvic area starts to change. So tissue gets thinner. There's prolapse. The bladder can drop forward. And if it drops forward, it's not going to empty as well. There's going to be a little bit of reserve left behind. Stagnant, it's sitting there. The bladder isn't working efficiently. So there's a little bit left over all the time and that can get infected. So that's one thing is the anatomy changing. Another thing is that the estrogen level is dropping. And when that happens, the flora changes in the in the whole vaginal area. The pelvic floor drops. The pelvic floor is the kind of the muscle basket that holds up all of your pelvic organs, like your bladder, your vagina, your uterus. When the pelvic floor starts to drop, the bladder drops again, not emptying as efficiently. And when the floor changes again that is a protective mechanism for protecting against utis and that changes again with perimenopause and menopause so while that's a terrible picture to paint just for women, say, like that's
0: fairly horrifying
1: as a woman who don't just you. turned 40 yeah thanks i know i i don't mean to frighten you okay but it's you just did. something it's really good to know to look out for it so if you're saying god i got up last night to go to the toilet twice what's that about just good to know and to have the information and watch out. So drink loads, keep your bladder full so that even if it's not emptying out very efficiently, there's lots of volume moving through it all the time. Drink a little bit less at night time, but topical oestrogen. So vaginal pessaries of oestrogen that you pop in have been shown to work really well in the prevention of UTIs in that age group. So you just pop in the oestrogen pessary, it loads up oestrogen in the area lifts up your pelvic floor, pops it back up again, bladder empties more efficiently and you're again less likely to get the UTIs. So there is solutions to it. You're giving hope. do panic. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: And they're a prescription item at the moment.
1: Here they are. Yeah. In the, U- in mm-hmm. the UK now, they're over the counter, which is yeah. fantastic. And maybe the case here. Because I think, yeah, the whole thing with
0: that is that access to these kind of medicines is so important. And obviously all these decisions are made on kind of benefit versus risk. But because it's local and so small an amount of estrogen is actually absorbed, there is no risk for stroke or blood clots or, you know, cancer Heart disease, all these things, we were afraid Not whatsoever. of. And that just shows how confident they are in the UK that the risk is so negligible. Absolutely, and yeah,
1: and and almost all oncologists will prescribe it for their breast cancer patients quite readily now. After the first two weeks of use, when you use it every night, the vaginal wall thickens up in those two weeks so after it's thickened up after two weeks there is little or no absorption out of the joint area which means it's really safe to use if you've had breast cancer of course it's up to you to discuss this with your healthcare provider and decide amongst yourselves what you'd like to do but most oncologists will now prescribe it for breast cancer patients or even ones that have familial breast cancer and are very aware of say their mom or their aunt or somebody and are worried about introducing any estrogen into their body.
0: And it's really interesting because I think a lot of women in, you know, the kind of 40 to 50 age group might think that, look, well, I'm too young for H.R.T., so what do I do? So it's important that they they know this is available because the scenes you were painting there are horrifying. Well, no, I've. That's just to give information.
1: That's yeah. all. Really, oh, it's not like your pelvic floor is going to drop out on the floor And anything. I'm going to bring my wheelbarrow
0: with me everywhere just <laughs> in case. <laughs> it's
1: just subtle changes you're going to be watching out for and then you're going to get right in there and fix it all up before fix anything happens.
0: Cured, sorted. And... Does that yeah. then have an impact on symptoms that may have arisen as a result of all this, like things like incontinence? Like, does incontinence start to become a problem at this stage? And
1: then, obviously, well, you- I think that can be a problem now, pregnancy much earlier. Than yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You'll find poor women in their thirties have had a baby, their first baby, even. Yeah. And then they'll be back to their jogging after their first baby. And the next thing, they're having to wear pads when they're jogging. And it's very nice. And that's the important thing that women have put up with that
0: and have yeah. kind of just accepted that we all just get a little bit leaky because our bodies go through so I know, much.
1: The TV is just full of ads for pads as well. And, yeah, you know, really, education would be so much better too. And this would also prevent urinary tract infections if people focused a bit more on, let's say, maybe a pelvic floor physio doing exercises, Mm -hmm. your pelvic floor exercises with Pilates, they would all help in the prevention of UTIs. If you get your pelvic floor lifted up a little bit, it will mean everything will be working more efficiently, your bladder particularly. A pelvic floor physio for women is fantastic, actually. They're really great. They're specific to that area. Like, for example, in France, after you have a baby, every single woman sees a pelvic floor physio for six months.
0: Like why don't we push that here? It's so important.
1: Because overall it would reduce the cost to the taxpayer, for example, of all the visits to the doctor, the visits to the hospital, visits to urology. If we it's simple as that, just lift it up all the muscles in the pelvic floor area. Now, I'm great for talking, I know, but I don't find the time too much for myself to get down and do the
0: exercises that I should be doing. If but, you did, it would change the quality of your life. So, it, you know, it it's absolutely it's would,
1: yeah. Like, we don't have to be stuffed in 12 pads in to, to ourselves before we <laughs> yeah. go for a walk or a run all the time. If we tried to prevent it, yeah.
0: And the other side of that is about the urinary tract infections, like... It's not advised to be wearing damp pads all the time
1: anyway. Like that's another risk factor for infection. That's part of the hygiene picture again. Yeah. So they're very much interlinked, the Mm. incontinence and the recurrent UTIs. you know, They're very linked. Coming back just to the women who are a little bit older, and even they don't have to be that much older, but if you have recurring kidney infections, so two in six months or three in a year or more, you can get put on a maintenance dose of antibiotics, so one a day, which is really good for reducing the risk of infection. Now, a lot of women don't want to be on it for too long, so it would be reviewed after six months. But once you've been infection free for six months you actually have a period then where you're less likely to have them as well so you could take a break yeah for women we'll say who are younger or older women who find they have more kidney infections or utis after having sex you can take an antibiotic at night and take another antibiotic in the morning that's been used now post sexual intercourse dose of antibiotic at night and in the morning and it's proving very effective at reducing the stis for all age groups where it has been linked to intercourse.
0: And we are seeing those prescriptions coming in now kind of pre and post coital and it's great like this is all progress and proactivity that has been lacking in this area. So it's important yeah. for people to know maybe to discuss that kind of thing with the doctor if they think that their UTIs are coming straight after having sex or you know a day or two later. Yeah. In terms of other complications that can happen or as you get older Do risk factors increase more again once you manage to navigate the the menopausal stage? And if you've managed to keep your (laughs) pelvic floor upright, is there
1: more risks after that? You know, I would say in nursing homes and that catheterization would be a big thing. Wait a minute um, now,
0: Michelle. We're not going straight from menopausal
1: to Okay, we we'll won't go straight to, nursing to catheters home then. Okay. Can, can well, we have a few good years in the middle? So, no, there'd be, there'd be 50 years between what we discussed there and Thanks. the nursing home. But some people we say would be catheterized post surgically or whatever for a little while yeah. when they're younger. Uh, Because that is a big part of UTIs would be catheterization. That actually has its own subsection, we say. And the other thing as well, which is really important, is when you're giving samples, it's, it's important to do it midstream. Because when you first pee, you'll get some of the bacteria and protein and stuff from the genital area would be in the urine to start. So it's very important to do a midstream sample if you are dropping a sample in so you get the best result. And it's very possible too that the doctor would start you on an antibiotic before that sample is checked and then change you midway through that antibiotic because the result has come back. I forgot to mention that earlier on, the midstream cycle sample is really important. Yeah, yeah. If you're bringing a sample to the doctor, even though sometimes it's hard to get that stream straight. (laughs) a little bit older.
0: There'll be a lot of hand washing going on. (laughs) afterwards be fine no because you know what (laughs) that's the thing I know like doing pregnancy tests over the years you're like oh god you know you're there trying to coordinate it (laughs) but look another joy of being a woman (laughs) I think we've covered an awful lot there in terms of additional things that you can do like you spoke there obviously about the probiotics What kind of probiotics would you recommend for people who are suffering from recurrent urinary tract infections?
1: There is the BioCode Procyan. is a specific probiotic for people with recurrent UTIs. The selection of probiotics has come on so much in the last 10 years and five years. And there's the probiotic pessary. That's a very interesting one. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's so they're newly available. They won't be everywhere at the moment, but it has been shown to reduce the frequency of UTIs as well. So you pop in the pessary into the vagina and where the flora, for whatever reason, sometimes it can be antibiotic use from say multiple respiratory infections over Christmas just gone by. It's changed your flora all over your body, which includes your vaginal flora. You pop it into the vagina, it melts. It sorts out your flora inside and it comes out a little bit. So sorts out the outside as well, which can help to reduce the incidence of the urinary tract infections. Mm-hmm. And again, this would all go hand in hand with the hygiene, hydration, voiding after sex, the, sometimes the antibiotic afterwards and in the morning. So they can all kind of complement each other and work hand in hand. And a
0: lot of people will be curious maybe about the role of cranberry juice drinking <laughs> cartons of cranberry juice is that something you'd recommend yeah it's
1: still there's kind of a question mark over it i certainly wouldn't not recommend it if somebody would like to try it it certainly can't do any harm i think it's something like four grams of cranberries though that are required so you know the purest form of cranberry that you can find if it's a pure organic cranberry drink rather than something that's diluted down It might be the best option. Again, it's down to the the pH of the area in the bladder and, you know, making it a more hostile environment for the bugs to grow. And you don't want them to travel up then through the uh, ureters into the kidney where that becomes a whole other ballgame then of a higher urinary tract infection, which causes the problems with the temperature and the the tiredness and the malaise, the sickness, muscle pain. So if you can try and manage it further down and stop it traveling up anything that would help even trying the cranberry you know it certainly wouldn't be the first line I'd go for but that's this control fort now I really like that product that has the cranberry in it as well as the d-manos I think that's a really good product Michelle
0: thank you so much for all of your information you're a complete wealth of knowledge and you could go on a tv (laughs) show with this as your specialist (laughs) subject (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would watch
0: it, but, you know, you yeah, I
1: know. It. Well, maybe women 45 plus might be interested, you know, in the solution rather than the description. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. No, that was absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much and a special thanks for you actually, because you are our first total health pharmacist on the podcast. Yay, yeah. Fantastic. So we'll have more of your Total Health and Haven colleagues coming onto the podcast over the next few months and I'm very excited to see and learn so much more from them. So thank you so
1: much, Michelle. Well, I learned a lot as well. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's great.
0: If you enjoyed the first episode of the Irish Pharmacy podcast, please remember to subscribe and review. We have so many interesting topics coming up over the next few months. Everything from insomnia to stress to skincare and even how to access free contraception. Thank you so, so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon.